I bought myself a Dutch hoe on Facebook. <laughs> Did you? A Dutch hoe. What for? Which is, I mean, well, that's not... Well, this question. to stop me from having... I, I just found it very hard work. I was always getting my knees dirty, um, my back was starting to hurt, and it's just... The Dutch hoe solved all of that. I get to, I get all the same jobs done without all the pain. It's brilliant. Really? So what is the yeah. difference between a Dutch hoe and, you know, your common garden hoe? Well, yeah, Dutch hoe is just slightly different shaped end, and so you can you can really weed very nicely. It's really, really good. It just saves you from having to get down on the floor and, you know, pull everything up. And so I've got this Dutch hoe on Facebook, and I've just been working my way beautifully through the garden. It's fantastic. And then I go inside and um, have it off with my Slovenian slut. <laughs> I was about to ask, what does your wife think about your Dutch hoe? <laughs> my Hungarian harlot. <laughs> actually you know what I like the original intro we had about hydroelectric power <laughs> it wasn't funny but it was honest so I'm just bored in conversation I do apologise I don't know why I'm even bothering to record this it's, f- it's fine just <laughs> oh yeah oh, electricity in South Island New Zealand is all hydroelectric as well so it's, it's very green Ooh, this it is just... boring conversation I know it's <laughs> terribly boring that's what I thought I'm a member of the Green Party I should care about this I, it is terribly boring. I do apologise. I thought it was quite interesting fact, but it's terribly boring and certainly won't be making the cut. Do you want me to just stop <laughs> this recording and start again? No, no, that's the intro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh dear. Oh, yeah, it's not a patron exclusive, so fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody messages us anymore, so it doesn't matter. That's not true. We have some audience feedback to go through. Oh, have we? Yeah. Where did that come from? Well, we have to start the podcast first and then I'll tell oh, right. you. Find out. Are you, sure, are you sure that's a good enough intro? I, we'll probably find something better, unless you're hearing this right now, dear audience, in which case, we, we didn't. didn't. <laughs> you're in for a treat of an episode. <laughs> it can only get better. Hello and welcome to That Was Genius, the little history podcast, apparently it is about history, in which Tom, who's over Hello. there and has some fascinating anecdotes about hydroelectric power generation... And Sam... Well, now it's going to have to make the cut. Over here. <laughs> maybe maybe it won't. Maybe it'll just be a tease and people won't realise just how dull that anecdote was. And Sam, who's <laughs> sit, sitting over here wearing as few clothes as he can get away with in the sweltering sun whilst claiming he doesn't need any of that newfangled air conditioning, discuss stories on a theme each week. We decide the theme a week or two in advance, but everything else that happens is a surprise. <laughs> and I, I'm what, in a pair of swim shorts. That's all you? I'm wearing. Yep. I'm just in my underwear. Like I've forgotten my swim shorts, but I'm on holiday. Nice. Do you uh, do you, do you get like a sweaty area between your legs? Have you got quite chunky legs, Sam? I uh, well, I skip leg day. Okay. So so no, there's there's a, a more than enough gap for a healthy breeze between there. Oh, fair enough. Maybe we should maybe we should swap top halves, and we'd be both be a bit more balanced. Um, so anyway, <laughs> but, yeah, my let my thighs are too big. So anyway, I'm I'm going. Yeah. For, I'm not sure I'm I want going... my top half attached to that. <laughs> So, so some offence meant I've got some swim sh- I've, I just ordered some swim shorts and I uh, ordered a pair of red ones and I just realised when I tried them on that I now look like an extra from Baywatch <laughs> some people sit in the paddling pool <laughs> <laughs> telling their children to get out of sight and if they cry and say oh dad you're spoiling for a big fight <laughs> cause you'll hose them <laughs> with the power hose. This is becoming child cruelty. It, it is, yeah. Let's for the record, for the record, we all enjoyed the paddling pool together, and we all had a lot of fun. Oh, I, I'm very I'm glad to hear it. That there was no actual child abuse. 
that was no child abuse. Uh, what's the, so? What, what, what's the feedback? Where did this come from? Where did the feedback come from? Oh, I'm gonna let me bring it up. Let me just let me just Blech. bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> you swallow your feedback. You chew it like cud. I'm like a mother bird feeding her young when it comes to feedback and you. I know that you need sustenance, but I know that you're not very good at chewing. So <laughs> I sort you. that out for you nice and, nice and early. Get it in advance. <laughs> the least I could do. Parker messaged us on Instagram and uh, says, You guys are seriously awesome. I've used you guys on history assignments, citing your sources. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Best wishes, Parker from Canada. Good work, good work Parker. Plutarch, presumably. Billy Plutarch. And uh, he suggested that we do asshole youths, not youths assholes. <laughs> Although that would be a great opportunity for you to go and dig out some of your Greek sources. Some of your Romans. But uh, no, he's uh, he's suggested that we do the asshole youth. And he says, I should specify that I'm not a bisroll man. And just said that say. because I'm 16 year old and an asshole and so are all my friends. Oh, fair enough. No, that's cool. I was an asshole when I was 16. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when Most sixteen-year-olds are, aren't they? It's, you're on a scale of arsehole-ness. This is you whereabouts, are, yeah. whereabouts you are on that scale. Is <laughs> that's what matters. Natalie, aka Turtley, one of Yay! our longtime fans. Haven't heard uh, her for a while. Very kindly, no, she very kindly emailed us a Mansa Musa-related meme with a, a golden bejeweled Homer Simpson. Nice. Which is not going to translate well into audio. Sorry, Turtley, but <laughs> I used to train a guy who was basically Mansa Musa in Christchurch. He was like the Christchurch Crassus. Before I'd left, he bought a massive old mansion on the hill in a really wealthy area of Christchurch, and just paid cash. Nice. And it was right next to the guy who invented the clip that goes on Tupperware. That's big money. That's big that money guy rolling. Was loaded. Yeah. <laughs> he had a tennis court and all sorts. Nice. Everything was clipped together with Tupperware. It's like a Tupperware tennis court. That's Cherry the dream, tomatoes. Isn't it? <laughs> Frozen uh, curry. raspberries. <laughs> <laughs> curry. Yeah. Six-month-old curry for bricks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pumpkin soup <laughs> trims oh. fantastic well that's slightly more interesting than your hydroelectric power story so Is it? we're, we're, we're yeah, on the we're, way up we're, we're on the way up by the end of this episode <laughs> I'm going to start getting invited to barbecues for once so that's our feedback Tom that's our feedback good and our topic for this week is left handies yeah this is quite a good to- in fact I thought this was a very good topic yeah I did I thought I was going to struggle but I didn't I like the slightly bizarre things. I like the slightly bizarre things that make you think, okay, how am I going to do this? Yeah. Like the Richard episode. That was a good one. Yes, Richard's week was an excellent week. Vegetables week. I mean, that that paid for itself ten times over. God, I can't remember what we did for Vegetables week. You did. Oh, yes, you can. You did oh, the garden did I do- gnome. Yes. Oh, sorry. Oh, yes, I know who I did. I did the chap who guards the garden. Prior you did. Us. Yeah, okay. Yes, and I did sunflower lambs. It's our most popular episode. Oh, God. Aren't our listeners so crass? They are. Give them a big knobbed goblin. <laughs> Putty in your hands. <laughs> big knobbed goblin. You are actually an ethnic minority, Sam, aren't you? Being a lefty. I, <laughs> I am, yeah. Probably stretching the definition of ethnic there. But... <laughs> it's all right. I have a, I have a throw. <laughs> I have a bongo drum of some description. Oh, Jesus. You, you criticise me. A bongo drum is a generic term for a wooden drum. You just—that's that in my book is racist. Talking about bongo drums when it comes to ethnic minorities. Good grief, Sam! I'm disgusted. Very unintentional, and I apologise for any offence caused. I, uh, well, I, in this day and age, that's not good enough. I am offended, Sam. Good for you. Shows, <laughs> you, shows you've still got feelings. 
<laughs> Somewhere deep down inside. Um, yes, yeah, so you're, you're a lefty. You're a lefty. I'm a righty. I am. 50-50. Look at that. So you're pretty good with your right hand and your left. So you've learned to kind of... Yeah, well, when I was your, at school, yeah. my school didn't let me be left-handed. I was trained as a righty. <laughs> Um, and now t- I'm essentially a right-handed fifth column. I'm bringing it down from the inside. <laughs> Did you go to like a Dickensian school? The I'm close, enough, close waffle, enough. <laughs> the master waffle school for children or something. <laughs> yeah. The Fortescue Smythe Academy for... Uh, <laughs> Talented lefties. Waif strays and lefties, yeah. <laughs> and other undesirables. <laughs> so who wants to go first? Let's get on with it, because I've got some good shit to talk about. I'm going to go first because I'm a lefty and this is my time to shine. This is my day. This is your moment. This is your perfect moment. With you. I thought I would I would represent my people this week. And so I've gone out and I started looking at good left-handed people through history because everyone thinks, ah, oh, left-handed, sinister in Latin, ha evil. Yeah. But, there's, there's, but there's been quite a few occasions where left-handed people have been quite good. And I'm going to say a name here and you can tell me if it crosses into yours, but I'm going to do it as a quick honourable mention. I'll just edit it out if it does. Okay. So the name I'm going to mention to start off with is Marco Sergio Silo. No, you can you can delve straight into that Sweet. silo. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> I will dive into this silo. <laughs> Marco Sergio Silo was a celebrated Roman general who fought in the Second Punic War from 218 to 201 BC. Nice. Now, Tom, he started off on the wrong side of history. He was a right-hander to start with. Ooh. But he was wounded 23 separate times in battle, which suggests actually he wasn't a very good general at all, and yeah. and was captured twice by Hannibal, again, suggesting he wasn't actually a particularly good soldier. Despite the fact that by this point he was so badly wounded from so many different battles, neither of his arms or legs worked properly anymore, he did manage to escape both times. In a wheelchair? One of his, they just wheeled him out on a chariot, and he just <laughs> kicked the slave pulling it along and just galloped off with into the sunset. <laughs> With his, one, with his one remaining foot, yeah. <laughs> Actually, he, got, he had a stick in his mouth. Luckily, he was in prison on a hill, and he managed he to was, crawl yeah. out and just roll. Yeah. <laughs> Before he knew it, he was a couple of miles away from camp. Hannibal was like, yeah, we'll put him on top of this hill. He'll never escape. <laughs> Whereas this man was basically a human log with a head by this point. <laughs> and we'll give him a sleeping bag to sleep in. He yeah. could possibly get away. Uh, so one of his injuries saw him lose his right hand in battle. So as a result, he had to retrain himself to do everything with his left hand. And he is one of the first properly written, known about cases of uh, of an amputee being given a prosthetic hand because oh. his right hand was replaced with a steel fist, which could hold a shield, uh, whilst his left hand took up fighting with the sword. Steel fisty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's the man. Steel. <laughs> the man with the st- with the metal fist. It's icy cold. <laughs> <laughs> Clonk! Imagine being hit by that. Do I expect you to die? No, Mister Bond. I expect you to bend over. <laughs> Pass me spare hand too. <laughs> yes, the slightly rusty one. <laughs> with the raised middle finger. <laughs> the vibrating one. <laughs> we have ways of making you talk. <laughs> <I'm> a- <laughs> Cigarette? <laughs> Imagine that hand would have a little wheel on the side and you could turn the wheel and the finger would flick back and forth. 
<laughs> he's walking along one day and he gets stuck into the on position. <laughs> As he's trying to hail a taxi. Yeah. <laughs> Look, do you want me or don't you? Look, I don't know. <laughs> Taxi's pulling in, then pulling out, then pulling in, then pulling out. What if I swear at it before? <laughs> Well, rather than having like a, a steel hand that holds a shield, why not just mm. have a shield attachment to the whole arm? I I don't know. I think it's so that you know he could he could do things like scratch his scratch his nose when his hand wasn't attached to the shield. Fair possibly. enough. Fair enough. I suspect he was like something that like Playmobil be- or Lego. He's like a, he had like a Lego hand which you could attach a variety of right. attachments to. <laughs> he was a very successful politician as well as a slightly clumsy but generally successful uh, soldier. But he was disbarred by the government in Rome for bringing his infirmity into the Senate House, which, to be honest, Tom, is just the kind of prejudice us lefties face on a daily basis. If it's not the Senate disbarring you for losing your hand and therefore bringing the Empire into disrepute, it's trying to use a tin opener or cut a straight line with scissors, Tom. Did they not have a ramp up to the Senate building? I don't think it was disabled accessible, no. Disgraceful. I don't think they even had a stairlift. I mean, they did have some Greek slaves who would probably lift you up. But Anyway, I I then looked at the Inca, who believed that left-handed people had healing powers, and then I stumbled across Russia, which has a very interesting history, Tom, of viewing left-handed people as being incredibly creatively talented. Which kind of, I guess, fits in with a left brain, right brain thing where left-handed people are supposedly quite creative. And, in fact, the Russian nickname for a craftsman is a Livsha, or lefty. A Livsha. Livsha. And it turns out this nickname comes from a rather fun, if incredibly Russian, in that everyone dies starving and unhappy, folk story from the 19th century. Now, I know this is a history podcast, not a literature podcast, but it is a fun story, and like a lot of folk tales, and especially Russian folk tales, it's quite politically charged. It's kind of a commentary on the time, and it's thought of as being a bit of a proto-revolutionary story. And the story is called Skaz o Tulskom Kosom Levshe Yostelnoy Blokhe. And uh, having made myself sound very clever by saying that in one go and using the word proto-revolutionary, I'm now going to undo it all, Tom, by giving you the title in English. <laughs> The tale of cross-eyed lefty from Tula and his steel flea. <laughs> right, written okay. by Nikolai Leskov in 1881. Cross-eyed who? Cross-eyed Cross- lefty from Tula. Cross-eyed lefty. Yes. Okay. And it's a very fun, slightly silly story with a very tragic ending because Russian literature. So the story is set in around 1800, and Tsar Alexander I is touring England with his friend and servant, the Cossack Count Matvey Pletov. Both of these, by the way, are, are real people from the time. The Russians are having a lovely time claiming everything that they see is better in Russia, especially all the latest inventions and technological marvels of the day. At one point, their exasperated guide even shows them the finest cannons in the royal arsenal, only for Platov to find a Made in Russia stamp underneath it. <laughs> everything better in Russia. And... As a final roll of the dice to impress their guests, the English give Alexander a tiny mechanical flea. So small, as small as a grain of sand. When you wind it up, you have to use a key that you can only see under a microscope. And when you do that, the flea would dance. An absolute mechanical marvel. Platov, terribly embarrassed about the whole thing, hides the flea. He cannot bear to see Russia being outdone in the field of craftsmanship and engineering. I mean, it's mechanically, yeah, very good, isn't it? But if you have to look at it through a microscope... Yes. A bit silly, really, isn't it? Very silly. 
Not very practical. No. I'd be more impressed with one that was, you know, about the right size for a coffee table. <laughs> well, I have to say, so I've been to the Winter Palace and I know what the taste of the Tsars was like. And quite practical doesn't really feature. <laughs> is that right? Where's the Winter Palace? Uh, St. Petersburg. And it is flipping amazing. It's incredible. Absolutely amazing. They've got things there you would not believe. They've got um, a clock, a, a kind of a solid gold or gold leaf clockwork. You're making it up. You're looking it up. There is a, no, you're not, making no. it up. I don't believe no, it. Well, it's the size of... <laughs> what was that noise? Why did you turn turn into the guy from On the Bus? <laughs> you don't believe me? Um, no, it's like it's a it's a tree with a peacock on it, and the entire thing moves. It's just today it would cost hundreds of millions of pounds. It's absolutely incredible. So actually, having a microscopic flea that you could only you can only wind up with an electron microscope is uh, is not that hard to believe. But that's partly what this story plays into. It's the, the vanity and the desire for excess and ridiculousness of the ruling classes. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Platov's terribly embarrassed about the whole thing and hides the flea, which probably wasn't hard to do, in the hope no one would ever discover or talk of it again. So time goes on and Nicholas I becomes Tsar in 1825 and he hears about the flea and demands to see it. And he is absolutely devastated that Russian craftsmanship has been outdone by the English. Yes, Tom, the country that would go on to create the T-34 tank and the AK-47 have been outdone by the nation which, at the same time, created the Great Panjandrum. Have you ever heard of this thing, by the way? The Great Panjandrum? Well, yes. No, I haven't. It was <laughs> easily, by some margin, the most stupid and just worst weapon of World War Two. It was essentially a giant pair of Catherine wheels about four metres high with a two-ton bomb strapped between them designed to be fired from boats and these oh, rockets think, on it yeah. would fire and it would roll up the Normandy beaches and the rockets would go out and then it would explode. Unfortunately, the slightest bump, jolt or kind of any kind of misfire of the rocket, it would violently launch itself in whatever direction it fancied, usually during tests towards whatever army or navy hobnobs were watching it from a supposedly safe distance. And there is some video of this thing and it's absolutely brilliant. It's chasing a dog along the beach. <laughs> this little dog's running away from this giant four metre high rocket Catherine wheel looking absolutely terrified. It's brilliant. Anyway. How strange. Very, very good. Very funny. Anyway, back to the story. So Platov travels to Tula, which is the home of Russian engineering, where he finds three skilled metal workers who say they will have a go at improving the English fleet. And so they lock themselves in a workshop top and they get to it. Weeks pass and the villagers start <laughs> to get concerned. And then they decide to get onto the project. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And after three weeks of rogering each other senseless... <laughs> they decide enough is enough. Let's get onto the task at hand. <laughs> yes. Who said hand? Oh, yes, I'll have a hand. A week later... They got their steel rods out and started to forge. Two weeks after that... <laughs> <laughs> Woof. So, they, yes, they lock themselves in the workshop and after a serious fucking session, get to it. <laughs> Weeks pass and the villagers start... It's very cold start... in the winter in Russia. It, it does. Helps keep Any... warm. Anything for comfort. Weeks pass and the villagers start to get concerned. The craftsmen haven't come <laughs> out yet. No one grunting. Has... It's been non-stop. <laughs> 24-7. And the hammering, bizarrely. <laughs> yeah. The inexplicable sound of hammering. <laughs> and the groaning. And the, and the braying of a donkey. And... <laughs> Or is it a man? Or is it both? Is it a mechanical man donkey? <laughs> this is what we found. We've, we've created this mechanical man donkey. 
<laughs> wasn't really quite what we asked you to do there, though, was it? But look at its mechanical anus. <laughs> <laughs> look how its pelvis thrusts back and forth, back and forth. Not even very small, is it? You can set it to do it randomly after putting heavy items on its back. <laughs> we call it Bukarovsky. <laughs> nice. So yes, after several weeks of the villagers getting increasingly concerned about the grunting, the banging, the braying, the <laughs> and the increasingly large pile of hard-boiled eggs appearing outside the door that <laughs> no one could explain, uh, they started to get rather worried. They tried everything they could to get these workmen out of the workshop. They were really quite worried that they just died in there. They even pretended that the entire village was on fire and that everyone was going to die unless they ran out right now. But no, the door stayed closed. <laughs> Three workmen refused to the... put their pants back on. <laughs> <laughs> they pretended that the whole village was nuclear and they had <laughs> yeah. to get out. Fortunately, the workmen inside were hiding in a fridge and so apparently were fine. <laughs> you don't like Harrison Ford, do you? You really no. don't. I can't I think why. <laughs> I quite like that fourth film. Carry on. So eventually, Count Platov, back in St. Petersburg, loses his rag. Where's my fucking flea? And he sends in the Cossacks to break the door down. Sends in the Russian army to break the door down and grab these workmen. <laughs> That's brilliant. A co- Cossack <laughs> sends in a Cossack dancer to break the door down. Yeah, all he's done is kick an increasingly large <laughs> hole in the bottom of the door. <laughs> He could just have turned the handle, but his arms were folded tight around him. (laughs) He had the use of his legs. He was like a Russian Marco Sergio Silo. (laughs) Try as they might, the Cossacks couldn't break the workman's door down. (laughs) The other workman would be the only (laughs) man allowed to do that. For want of a better phrase. (laughs) Eventually, they did manage to get in by literally blowing the roof off the workshop. So they blew the they blew the roof off. At which point, the soldiers and villagers all started retching and vomiting as a cloud of bo escaped from the workshop. This is in the this is in the story. That <laughs> the cloud of bo coming from the workshop knocked the whole lot of them out. Oh, they realise they've been playing Age of Empires for four three weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> World of Warcraft. Yeah. yeah, eating eating Haribo. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they couldn't open the door. It was just a mountain of empty Mountain Dew cans. <laughs> Jolt, yeah, Jolt Cola. <laughs> the pressure of the farts. Oh, God, yeah. Down absolutely. On the door. <laughs> yeah, it was, like, it was like being in an airplane. It's the only thing keeping the door closed. <laughs> the vacuum, when they blew the roof, when they got the roof off, literally sucked <laughs> the workmen out and pinged them across the village. <laughs> so the stinky old workman which I might add is not a trait of left-handers, though it is our lifestyle choice, come out of the workshop and proudly present to the Count what appears to be the exact same flea that they'd gone in with all of these weeks earlier. The Count is fucking furious. He's been made to look like an absolute tit in front of the Tsar. And he grabs one of the workmen, known as Cross-Eyed Lefty, and drags him off to St. Petersburg, because obviously, Tom, the Russians use the medieval European nicknaming system. <laughs> so Cross-Eyed Lefty actually had 20-20 vision... <laughs> Wasn't and cro- was right-handed. Yeah, wasn't cross-eyed day one, was he? Cross-eyed after the third week. <laughs> yeah, cro- yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen the Brokeback Mountain parody by um, Harry Enfield and Paul Whitehouse? <laughs> no, but I imagine... Does it- speaking, of, speaking of going cross-eyed... Is it Paul Whitehouse going cross-eyed? Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. It's Harry Enfield and Paul Whitehouse doing the um, Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin version of Brokeback Mountain, and it's very good. So Lefty is dragged off to St. Petersburg to answer for his crimes in front of the Tsar. Pleading for his life, he tells Tsar Nicholas to look more closely at the flea, whilst apologising for his poor workmanship, saying that, after all, these were only poor blacksmiths and couldn't afford fancy-spancy microscopes. The Tsar peers down through his magnifying glass and sees that, in fact, the craftsmen have taken this flea and made tiny horseshoes for each foot, engraved with the name of the man who made it. Lefty has even made nails to attach it to the flea's hooves, too tiny to be seen, because fleas, of course, Tom, have hooves. Yeah. Donkeys have hooves. Why not? If donkeys have hooves, fleas can too. They're like <laughs> the stallion. They're, they're the stallions of the bed. <laughs> The Mustangs of the Dog's Belly, roaming free and leaping happily. The Tsar is absolutely amazed, as are the English who are there to witness it, who invite Lefty back to Britain to perfect his craft and teach them his ways. He goes, but he pretty quickly gets homesick and sails back to Russia. And here's where the story gets very, very Russian, Tom. On the way back, he gets into a drinking competition with an English sailor. Drinking, Russian, tick, and loses all of his paperwork. Upon arrival, the sailor, as an Englishman with a passport, is let off the boat. But Lefty is treated as a stowaway and a drunkard, and the police throw him to the ground, smashing his head on the cobbles, before leaving him to die of his injuries in a pauper's hospital. Man has success, man falls from grace. Russian. Tick. Mm. Next day, the sailor, waking up with a raging hangover and finding his new friend gone, goes to find Platov, and the two go searching for Lefty, eventually finding him just before he dies. In his final act of loyalty, despite having been thrown into the gutter by the Russian authorities, he tries to tell the pair about the superior guns and military techniques that the English have developed to use against the Russians. But the message never gets through, and shortly afterwards, the Russians are defeated in the Crimean War, partly because of their inferior guns. Oh, Crimea River. Yeah. No sympathy from me. Yeah, charge of the shite brigade, or something. <laughs> Don't know how that works, but I feel, oh. felt like... Felt the need to talk. Florence Wankingale. <laughs> wow. Not sure we'll get away with that as an episode title, but hey, it's catchy. <laughs> so, so there we go, Tom. The sorry tale of the poor craftsman who did everything he could for his king and his country, despite being destitute, downtrodden, bullied and underappreciated by the stuck-up, pompous and overly proud aristocracy in a society which praised the vain and sidelined the talented. Bear in mind, by the way, that this was written not too long before the Russian Revolution yeah. and the author, Nikolai Levskov, was a well-known political commentator and journalist. In fact, Levsha, or Lefty, became a major folk figure in the USSR, exemplifying the best of Russian ingenuity. Um, you know, keep working hard, even though state will eventually maybe kill you on a whim, <laughs> kind of thing. Oh, it doesn't matter if you work harder, because you still get the same as everyone else. Yes, everybody dies, some people just get to skip queue. <laughs> Uh, and there's actually statues of him all around uh, Russia and the former Soviet Union. Uh, his story was even turned into a ballet at one point. Fuck only knows how that would have worked. Seemingly, the Russian Cultural Committee thought the same because they decided that it was bloody awful and it only got, ever got licensed to be played twice in the Soviet times. I kind of wonder how they managed to dance out hitting a tiny flea with a hammer. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. Maybe just very small steps on stage. Or poetically, beautifully, balletically... Showing him having his head kicked in. Possibly. Yeah, Maybe the flea was a beautiful uh, beautiful Russian woman with six ballet arms <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and hooves. tiny hooves. Yeah. 
But there we go, Tom. That is the story of Cross-Eyed Lefty, the talented left-hander forsaken by the Russians. Lovely. That's very good. I've really gone into it this week to try and find something to do with my chosen topic, which is... Not left-handed people. <laughs> I decided to talk about... Bread. Braying donkeys, sex dogs. <laughs> so I, I started by looking at the basics, which is where I usually start. So I just read a few articles about left-handedness in general and found out a little bit more. Stuff I didn't really know, like 10% of the human population are left-handed. We are? Yeah, quite curious. If it were 50%, it would probably just be chance. If it were 0.1%, it would probably be a hiccup, something we could do without, you know. But we're just magical. But because it's 10%, it's, it's odd. And there are statistical downsides to being left-handed, aren't there? There seems to be an increase in the likelihood of suffering from various mental health issues. Also autism. Yeah. A host of, there's quite a few little medical conditions. I've always had OCD. And I was told by someone quite respectable that it's because it's more common in left-handed people because you see people doing things when you're growing up right-handedly, like using door handles. Right. And when you try and do it with your dominant hand, it doesn't work, which makes you unsure that you've done the right thing and it evolves into OCD. Very interesting. Yeah, because that's a nature ah. or nurture element to this, isn't it? Yeah. Which which crossed my mind on more than one occasion when I was just reading these articles, how much of this is nature versus nurture. And you'd imagine with many of the mental health issues, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a nurture element to that if you're you know, part of the 10% and you're having to um, compromise all the time. Yeah. Various medical conditions I came across where you're statistically more likely to be be sick or suffer from it if you're left-handed. Yeah, what have I... Including being awesome. <laughs> what have I got written here? Possibly due to having a pen sellotape to your right hand and being made to run around the playground shouting, I'm a lefty bastard, the son of Beelzebub. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what uh, happens, really? Happy days, though. Yeah. Innocent times. Fond memories. The joys of childhood, yeah. Uh, on the flip side, there is there's some evidence for greater intelligence. I know. Musical talent. I mean, you're looking at it. Oh, we're just describing you now, aren't we? Yes. And this is the bit... Outright beauty. <laughs> charisma. Yep, yep. Uh, and this is the bit I chose to pursue more closely, which is sport and particularly combat, where lefties have an advantage. And it's been postulated that the advantages of being left-handed left-handed in combat are sort of evolutionary, which could explain the continued existence of people like you, sort of smudging wet ink. <laughs> in sport, for example, left-handedness is an advantage due to its rarity. So a right-handed person is used to facing right-handed people or fighting right-handed people. When they face up to a left-handed person, they haven't got as much practice, whereas that left-handed person has got lots of practice against the right-handed mm, people. Yeah. And good examples of this are cricket batsmen, uh, baseball batters. Yes. They're used to facing right-handed bowlers and pitchers. Boxers as well. There's lots of examples in boxing of lefties being called southpaws. And here's a bit of slightly questionable yes. but interesting etymology. Yeah, yeah. We like this in this podcast, little kernels of factually dubious information to impress your children with. <laughs> The term southpaw is thought to have come from baseball, where baseball diamonds are generally orientated with the batter facing east, something to do with facing not facing the evening sun. And consequently, mm. left-handed pitchers have their pitching arm facing south, southpaw, apparently, although that is slightly questionable, I think. A southpaw obviously being a, a term for a left-handed boxer, most commonly. Yeah. So I thought I'd investigate left-handedness in warfare through history. And I'll be honest, it was quite tricky to find information irritatingly the bible was one of the best places to go so let's start with the old testament here's a bit of a quote from judges 2016 that's not when it was written it's 2016 <laughs> yeah it's the new old testament yeah <laughs> revamped 
Among all these soldiers, there were 700 select troops who were left-handed, each of whom could sling a stone at a hare and not miss. This is very abbreviated, by the way. Um, these were troops of Benjamin, a son of Jacob, and founder of the tw- uh, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Interestingly, the term left-handed isn't a particularly accurate translation of the Hebrew, apparently. A better translation would be restricted in the right hand. And it struck me, and I couldn't find any academics who had raised this opinion, rather than referring to lefties, this could possibly have referred to people with disabilities, either through birth or warfare, i.e. they've no longer had... Lefties. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, either they, you know, they could not have the use of their right hand. And there'd be a massive disadvantage in hand-to-hand combat, so it makes sense to not put them in the front-line infantry, but to send them off to the side and be a unit of slingers. But I don't know, that's a lot of hypothesis there. Another wider theory connected to this is that organised warfare, i.e. phalanxes, maniples, Roman maniples, or any other form of organised infantry, left-handed men would have to conform to right-handed conventions, or they would just have to bugger off. So a good example would be left-handed individuals in an infantry formation like the phalanx the hellenistic phalanx mm. and i say hellenistic because i i think this is what most people associate with phalanx but interestingly i did read that this form of warfare was being used as far back as the sumerians in 2500 bc anyway in a phalanx hoplites would have a shield um, in their left hand and a spear in the right hand and your shield would protect the man next to you as well as you your left wing was the strongest in battle because it was the most it was most comfortable to thrust your spear slightly to the right and the leftmost person was shielded. That's weird because my spear swings slightly to the left. Is it? <laughs> when you're helicoptering <laughs> out in the garden on a hot day. Yep, always oh. clockwise, always clockwise. <laughs> and the right wing in a phalanx was always the weaker one because everyone else is sort of forcing your army to drift to the right with the direction of their thrusts, and the desire to be covered by their neighbour's <laughs> shield. So all these pelvic thrusting <laughs> Greeks... It's the word, the word thrust. Just, thrust. Yeah. Clammy thrust. Uh, Due to this, the strongest, most experienced units were usually placed on the right. So that's, that's your classic phalanx. And a brief explanation that I've just given clearly shows that it, it wouldn't have been possible to have someone in the middle of the line holding the spear and the shield in the opposite hands. It just wouldn't have worked. No, no, no. It certainly wouldn't have been very popular. Interestingly, the Sassanid Persians, a neighbour of the late Romans and Byzantines, they had a special left-handed mounted archer unit, and this would be placed Ah. on the left of the battlefield, and they were well known for being able to shoot with the left and the right hand, so they probably a bit of ambidextry there as well, ambidextrousness. Unfortunately, though, outside of the the Bible and this fleeting reference to the Sassanids, I was unable to find any evidence of left-handed people being selected to form a separate unit, i.e. like a reverse phalanx, or simply being asked to do something like throw rocks, you know, piss off lefties and go, go <laughs> throw some rocks. Can't even throw rocks for us. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. No, you're not aiming at us, you're aiming at them. Although, as as a left-hander, I can confirm that I'm not very useful in a rock fight. <laughs> All these left-handed people <laughs> swinging rocks aimlessly. You've seen me try and throw, it's <laughs> going anywhere but forwards. <laughs> Uh, Uh, Anyway, Uh, being a left-handed slingshot amongst right-handed men would have also been probably a problem because it'd be a lefty who'd be swinging it the other way. I imagine possibly the same uh, if you're in close formation as an archer. You'd kind of have to conform. So uh, it's really a topic that I thought would be quite interesting to really delve into. I searched Publius Flavius Vegetus Renatus's late Roman book on Roman military matters. Vegetus? Vegetius. Vegetius Renatus. 
Nothing from Caesar and his commentaries on the Gallican Civil War. I searched through those as well. Nothing in Vitruvius, nothing in Tacitus, and I searched through other Roman sources as well. And I couldn't find anything. So I obviously went for Roman history because it's well documented, lots of sources. And I just couldn't find anything about lefties in battle. So anyway, having talked about infantry warfare and projectiles, let's talk about hand-to-hand combat, man-on-man, undies down and todges out, first to five wins. (laughs) Woof. Back to the Bible, judges again. This is highly abbreviated. Ehud, a left-handed man, the Israelites sent him with tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now, Ehud had made a double-edged sword. <laughs> Christ. You're reading this very well, considering... Yeah, it does sound... Considering the names. It sounds like a really bad Waterstones fantasy book, doesn't it? It does. Uh, which he strapped... It is. Well, Tom, it is. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We lost all the Christian listeners with the episode on slavery. <laughs> now, Ehud had made a double-edged sword, which he strapped to his right thigh under his clothing. This is still from the Bible. He presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab, who was a very fat man. On reaching the stone <laughs> images near Gilgal, he himself went back to Eglon and said, Your Majesty, I have a secret message for you. The king said to his attendants, Leave us, and they all left. Edward then approached him and said, Pull my finger. No, <laughs> no, he didn't. That's not a direct quote. And said, I have a message from God for you. As the king rose from his seat, Ehud... Now pull my finger! (laughs) (laughs) Ehud reached with his left hand, drew the sword from his right thigh, and said, pull my finger. (laughs) 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 And plunged it into the king's belly. Even the handle sank in after the blade, and his bowels discharged. Ehud did not pull the sword out, and the fat closed in over it. After he had gone, the servants came and found the doors of the upper room locked. They said, he must have been relieving himself in the inner room of the palace. They waited to the point of embarrassment, but when he did not open the doors of the room... Why did they just assume that he was on the toilet? (laughs) It's a fat man. He's always on the toilet. The door's door's closed. He must be having a shit. (laughs) (laughs) He's groaning a lot. The door's shut. He's groaning and it smells... Uh, anyway, they typical Ehud. They finally got in and they found out that he'd uh, fallen on the dorm was dead. Left handedness there, as I mentioned at the start, is shown to be an advantage in sports and combat. This example, having the sword on the opposite side to usual, may have contributed to the surprise and could also explain why it wasn't spotted by the king's guards. But yes, Eglon, yeah. the very fat man, killed by a lefty. Another area of history where we know something about lefties being effective is Roman gladiatorial combat. There is graffiti from Pompeii showing a left-handed gladiator, a chap called Albanus. <laughs> I said anus. He's got a pasty white anus with <laughs> with a red sphincter. Literally, Tom, he has an albino anus. <laughs> oh, I see where you're going there. I thought you were describing the Japanese flag. <laughs> he's, he's, he's fighting a chap called Severus, which I think is a very good gladiator name. A bit like is. Barry Blade, the swordsman, or Ariaro, the archer. <laughs> Nice, beautiful. <laughs> and we've also got the Colchester vase, which um, ended up being a funerary... It's not quite such a good wrestler's name. The Colchester vase! Looks like you need some flowers in you. What would his entry music be? It's our game show! No! The Colchester vase! He's less gladiator, more gladioli, Tom. Mm. Like what you did there, Sam. Yes. <laughs> the Colchester vase. Yeah, it ended up being a funerary urn. 
Uh, made around 175 AD, trying to get back on subject. It shows a chap called Memnon, nine fights, nine lives, fighting Valentius from the 30th Roman Legion. And it depicts Memnon winning because Valentius has dropped his trident and is raising one finger on his metal hand. (laughs) Bare hand too. Valentius was using. (laughs) And Valentius is left-handed in this picture. (laughs) He's dropped his trident. (laughs) (laughs) Why does that sound like an innuendo to you? I thought when I wrote that in my notes... Interesting that he's left-handed. There you go, yeah. So the depictions of left-handed gladiators. Yeah, I mean, for the reasons you gave above, it would be a major advantage, wouldn't it? Absolutely. And If you're, if you're suddenly, if you as a right-hander are stabbing at someone who's suddenly not there. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're slightly to the left of you. Damn, of where you're used damn. to be stabbing. You're used to stabbing. And also, of course, you've got less control over your non-dominant hand. Mm. You're like trying to write wrong-handed. Yeah. Taste of our own medicine, really, isn't it? How the mighty have fallen. <laughs> There are, there are also left-handed fighters depicted on coins and mosaics as well. So we get lots of lefties. I actually, t- I look, I tried to research Trajan's column. I'll just take a moment there to pause, Sam. You. <laughs> and then I left Pornhub and <laughs> and got back to looking into history. Yeah, I, I couldn't find any articles or anything about left-handed people on Trajan's column, unfortunately. Anyway, Commodus, Commodus. 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 Commodorus. Commodus 64. Commodus 64us. Classic. Commodorus Amigus 64us. Yes. The Roman emperor who liked space invasion. <laughs> Lemmings. Sorry, I'm now looking up Commodore's songs. To <laughs> see if you can elbow one in. Yep. Um, slip, slip, <laughs> slippery when wet. Ooh. <laughs> three times a lady, or possibly three times a blacksmith. Once, twice... <laughs> Three times a lady, yes. Uh, carry on. Yeah, he, he was a Roman emperor. Uh, emperor <laughs> he was a Roman emperor who liked the occasional heavily imbalanced fight against a gladiator. Yes, as as seen in the film Gladiator. And he also was left-handed, Commodorus Amigus. The only, oh, how accurate is that film? I think it's a bit patchy, isn't it? Fifty-fifty. Um, I mean, it's accurate in the sense that there was a Roman empire and it had gladiators. But they weren't Australian, were they? They weren't Australian. No. Commodus was a bit weird. According to Cassius Dio, he was. Quote, he had once got together all the men in the city who had lost their feet as a result of disease or some accident, and then, after fastening them about their knees, some likenesses of serpents' bodies, and giving them sponges to throw instead of stones, had killed them with blows of a cub, pretending they were giants. Oh. Mm. Sounds like a bit of a prick, doesn't it? I've got a good idea. I've got a very good idea. This is going to be fun. Everyone's going to really, really, really enjoy this because we all like giants, don't we? And we don't like disabled people. So... <laughs> no. <laughs> we'll make them pretend they're a giant. And then I'll get to club them to death. No, no, this one's mine. We're fresh out of seals. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Now I'll take the one injured in a terrible mining accident. <laughs> oh, here's a good one. Oh. Really, it's the kindest thing for them of some sort of use to society to entertain the people. This, by the way, is our generic impression of a Roman Empire with a twisted sense of (laughs) humour. I thought all Roman emperors spoke like that. Well, they do now. Yeah. Unfortunately, due to the ridiculousness of Commodus, it's difficult to ascertain whether his left-handedness was an advantage, because, you know, he wasn't really fighting anyone 
on a level playing field. Anyway, to, no. <laughs> to summarise, it's difficult to ascertain what happened to lefties in historical warfare. It's probable that in organised battle they were made to conform or they were put in a position where they didn't have to. Maybe skirmishers or something like that. Never picked for the sports team. Cheering on. Go team! Just like me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they got to carry the water and do the cheerleading. Give me an A. Give me a T. Give me a T, give me an A, give me a C, give me a K. Attack! Woohoo! <laughs> Come on, Romans. Form T, form E, form an S, and a T, and a U, and a D, and an O. Too late. <laughs> Probably didn't spell testudo either. Let's flank them. <laughs> Good. Uh, we we have occasional references to left-handed units, but in one-to-one combat, lefties were free to do as they wish, and it's widely agreed that this is an advantage. Art, because that's how we are. <laughs> do what we by what will you wish? I mean, <laughs> do some you use... do some art, do some doodling, <laughs> <laughs> write a song, left-handed stuff, you know. I'm going to dance. <laughs> I'm going to dance around this fellow gladiator who's trying to attack me and kill me. The prevalence of lefties in modern combat sports is testament to this idea. So I think it's—I don't think it's particularly radical to extrapolate that left-handed people are overrepresented in combat sports in the modern era. They were probably overrepresented in combat sports in other periods of history. Hmm. Uh, but it can't really be conclusively ascertained from historical sources. Although I've had a good search, I did try my artist to find out. Good. Well, you, well, you tried. That's the main thing. I tried, and sometimes that's all you can do, Sam. And like I say, I did go hard, and I did search through quite a few primary sources, searching for references to left-handed people. Ah. Some of the greatest minds of Rome didn't have anything to say about left-handed people. What the fuck were they doing with their time? Well, being cheerleaders. Well, I suppose Pack, so. Yeah. Left-handed cheerleaders. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't mean. I didn't mean the left-handers. What were the left-handers doing? I mean, what were the what were the leaders of Rome doing if they weren't writing about left-handers? Oh, they were coaching the cheerleading teams. Oh, I suppose so, yes. In their spare time. Nine to five. They're working with the infantry. <laughs> battle plans. Oh, what a way drills, to make a living. All that sort of stuff. And then just to give them a bit of something to unleash them, their creative side, they would go off and they would take the lefties on the cheerleading course. <laughs> Cat-handed tossing of small che- of females. Ah! <laughs> 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 ah! Oh, that's another one. Well, that's a, that's an episode backup title if Florence Wankingale doesn't fit. <laughs> oh, dearie me. Good. Well, we whizzed through that quite quickly today, didn't we? It's a reasonably short one today. Quick, fill some time. Obviously, didn't give you enough stupid stuff to work with. Oh, you did. There was plenty of stupid stuff in there. It's just a short, shorter episode, isn't it? Fair, fair they enough. They happen. They're allowed. What do you think we should uh, talk about next week, Tom? I don't know, we've got a topic, do we? Oh, what did that chap suggest that you mentioned? The Errant Youth. Oh, we could do Errant Youth. Well, I think we should do that as the next public episode. Okay, so a private episode. So for the patrons... Should we do something just stupid off the bat and just see where it takes us? Okay, um, something stupid and off the bat and let's see where it takes orgies. us. Talking about three men in a warehouse. All right, orgies. Fine, orgies for patrons. Orgies it is. And I already know what I'm talking about because I've got one in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> the wank bank? What bank so is this? Speak. <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> Good. Orgies it is for next week. And an orgy of fun it will be. Yeah. It'll be an orgy in the order of the bath. <laughs> it will. All of those patrons, we're going to be having a, a lathy, foamy, scented it is gonna be a, orgy. It is going to be a historical 
Bubble fest, yeah. Bubble fest. What did you think of my? What did you think of my Australian Tony who spoke to a Yowie? What did you think of his dreams in the picture, Sam? It was beautiful. Let me just bring it up again. I quite liked that one. I quite liked just the little images of him with beautiful big nose and ears, just floating around in his imagination. Yes, just eating a poo. Yeah, drinking some piss. Having sex with his shaggy and luxuriant mum. <laughs> Although I still think Very my nice. favourite favourite thing I've drawn so far is the priest, the French priest. I think I just got the expressions right on his face. Yes, you did, yeah. The little bit of dribble really sets that off. <laughs> I'm 34, Sam. <laughs> 34. I know, I know. Actually, I have to say the Spartan bachelor with the runny nose as well, really. Uh, oh, the can cannon. There's, there's a lot of bodily fluids going on in that. <laughs> that particular drawing yeah anyway if you want to see that drawing you can uh, join our patreon <laughs> and who wouldn't after that description which is uh, patreon.com slash that was genius or you can find it through our website as well which is that was genius podcast.com and you can find us on social media i'll be honest we've been a bit lazy with it the last few weeks but oh. uh, we're on twitter instagram and facebook just search for that was genius Pop us an email as well. You can uh, get in touch with us at thatwasgeniuscast at gmail.com. Let us know how you're getting on. Any ideas? Yeah, say nice or horrible things. Up to you. Right. In the meantime, say goodbye, Tom. Bye-bye. Bye-bye from me. We'll see you next week.